Right, well, Mark, uh, thank you very much indeed for your time here at the Goodwood Revival on no day problem. two of the event. Well, we have glorious sunshine instead of that horrible rain that we had yesterday. But uh, for yourself, Mark, I would have thought that this event, being a, a Goodwood uh, Aero Club member, when the Revival turns up here at the airfield, it uh, must tick every single one of your boxes, doesn't a- it? Absolutely, yeah. For me, it's fantastic. Not only to see the reenactors and uh, all the gear, you know, we've got Americans and RAF reenactors and Army, but the aircraft in particular play a big part for me. I mean, to stand here looking at the P 38 Lightning over there, which it's 75 years this month that they operated from here in 1942. Um, so for me as a historian and, and the love of the local area and its history, that is amazing. It doesn't get any better. I think a lot of people were very excited to see the, the Lightning turn up. Tell us a little bit about the Freddie March spirit of aviation, because again, for those that don't know, the, the Goodwood Revival, it's not just about the two wheel vehicles and the four wheel vehicles that go around the circuit is very much about the flying machinery that represents this aerodrome as it used to be in its heyday. Absolutely. I mean, Fred, Freddie March himself, I mean, obviously he started the uh, uh, Horden Richmond Aircraft Company. He had his own uh, hangar in the field, which is now the Revival Car Park. Um, so he used to fly out of there. That was the original airfield pre-war. Uh, and then obviously the RAF acquired the land in 1938 as an uh, emergency landing ground for RAF Tangmere. But so, so aviation runs strong with, with the family here and also the local area um, so to see this collection of historic aircraft dating right the way back to sort of the 1930s right the way through you know absolutely fantastic yeah. really nice mix now I must say that you are a, a local historian that's why you're so fascinated about this airbase and it was very interesting yesterday speaking to the aerodrome manager they've been doing a lot of work on the runway here Mark yes. which I'm sure that you're familiar with and I said to him well you know it was rutted it was bumpy you had to change it but why not put some concrete or asphalt and he said no 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 we have to keep it as it was and I'm sure that you'd agree agree with I it. I totally agree yeah. it would ruin the character I mean if you think this is the last Battle of Britain airfield that's grass that you can fly into on the south coast um, so so to me really it should be uh, you know a, a national monument I think the airfield I'm that passionate about it um, it's fantastic. You'd have been out there with your banners if they were I, I would have been I'd have been laying down in front of the <laughs> as, a, as, yeah. as a, a major protester but again yeah. you, you know a lot about this base and again I suppose going back to its heyday. You've written many, many books about it. Um what was so special about this as a base when it was a, a working base then Mark? P- pretty much nearly all of the glitterati of the RAF if you like came here they, they just seemed to be something about West Hampton it was fairly informal um, RAF Tangmere up the road obviously with its all established accommodation blocks officers mess and red tape but West Hampton you know two little cottages on the boundary uh, a couple of Nissan huts and I think a lot of the guys just like the informality of it and the fact that you were a lot closer to Chichester you could roll into town and attend the local pubs like the Dolphin and Anchor uh, the Unicorn Pub, but so pretty much all the aces. I mean, you're talking about you know Johnny Johnson, who was the Allies' highest-scoring ace of the war. He was here twice, 1941 and 43. Uh, Douglas Bader was here, so pretty much all of them were here. But you know, we were right in the forefront of all the action in the Second World War, from the Battle of Britain right through to D-Day. You know, West Hampton squadrons supported those air operations, and a uh, hundred men lost their life flying from here. You know, so 49 squadrons in total. It was a busy place, but all the 
pilots I've met say the same thing. It was a beautiful place, you know. It was a really odd situation of being in a country mansion on the boundary and then the next minute fighting for your life in the sky. Uh, but they love that ability to relax in a, in a sort of a country setting in the garden. Yeah. So West Ham had a big place in their heart. I'm sure that it did. What kind of aircraft did fly out of it? Was it a fighter base, a bomber base? Mainly a fighter base, yeah. We started with Hawker Hurricanes with 145 Squadron in 1940 and then went to Spitfires, but pretty much all the marks are Spitfires. We had Typhoons and Tempests. Um, there were P-38 Lightnings for a short while. Yeah. Uh, but everything really, Lysanders, Army Corporation Lysanders. Uh, there was Special Operations Executive flying from uh, Tangmere and they used to come and do night operations and practices in here. Um, so it was a busy place, even Mustangs to be honest, but mainly fighters. They, they did trial um, mosquitoes here during the war, but the runways weren't long enough for a fully laden mosquito to get airborne. So fighters all the way through pretty much. And for the books that you've written, which is how many on the... I've done four on the airfield and nine in total on aviation history. So I, yeah, my wife's uh, a bit annoyed with me now. She thinks it's time to give up because it's not my full-time job. You but know? that research <laughs> must be wonderful for you, Mark. It must be fascinating. I don't know how many people are still around that were pretty much here in this uh, the, the the airfields or the aerodromes heyday but if you do bump into someone whether they're on the you know the mechanical side of things you know the engineering side of things or they were flying the aircraft out of this space mm. it must be fascinating to talk to them but they're amazing gentlemen and um, i've had the privilege to know quite a few pilots and ground crew and and become personal friends over the years and, and they're just amazing they all say they didn't do a huge amount and of course we know differently um, but their stories are priceless and that's what really i set out to do is to record them uh, as best I can it's not about my opinion it's about the first hand accounts um, so I've, I've had a great time the last 10 years I've had a buzz meeting them all flying them because I fly from here as well um, so it's been amazing really good do we this generation appreciate you think what those people did because they are they are so modest and you think that every time that bell rang and they yeah. jumped into the planes and the ground crews you said uh, you know uh, down here on the airfield itself because it could have been bombed it could have been a target you know we we can't appreciate what they went through can we I, I don't think so and I think that they protect us to a degree from the realities of war exactly. you know in, by saying they didn't do a huge amount and it was a big adventure um, the reality a lot is that a lot of them suffered with post-traumatic stress disorder which we didn't know much about no, at the time exactly. some people were, were you know, written off as having lack of moral fibre, LMF, and they were stripped of their wings and sent to, to rear units, which is a real shame because actually they, they were just struggling with how to cope with the war and, and operational duties, you know. So, no, uh, for me, they're all, you know, regardless of what they did, whether it was one or two sorties or they were fixing aircraft on the ground, they're all in the front line and, and they're all worthy of respect. And I think now that the generations are starting to understand what they did. I mean, my daughter's just about to do Battle of Britain in a primary school um, so I should be going in dressed as a pilot much to her disgust um, you know but but they're really interested and, and I did one a couple of weeks ago for a primary school and um, some of the questions were quite interesting and so Wikipedia was doing its thing you know yeah fantastic <laughs> which is lovely for you then so that's yes. how you can pretty much spread the word as a historian and knowing so much about what went on here locally you're yes. able to let people know and again re-emphasise just how important the role of this airfield and the people that were based here was I think so I think we mustn't forget you know, I mean, ultimately, if you think there were 49 squadrons, thousands of air crew coming through here from all different nationalities, Canadian, we had 
had uh, New Zealanders, Belgians, French, Americans with their Spitfires. So, yeah, it was a busy place, and, and their contribution shouldn't be forgotten, so that's really important. Is there more for you to learn? Is there more for you to find Always. out about? Yeah, I'm sure that there is. I would have thought the amends keep coming along, don't they? I uh, A couple of weeks ago, I did a guided tour around the airfield, and, uh, and a chap turned up whose father was here in uh, 1944 with 183 Squadron on Typhoons, and he had the whole squadron diary with him. Uh, and I've never seen that. Wow. And, of course, to see the squadron photographs that were all labelled West Hampnett, and his father was a good artist, and he'd actually done some lovely sketches of the bell tents that they were living in at the time. Um, and that's just priceless. So there's stuff in attics that's still coming out and for me that's amazing you know we, we never you can never say you know everything and there'll always be more stories to find so yeah I'm really looking forward to the next few years see what comes and out of the phone world. to ring as well or to bump into someone I'm sure that you will do and continue to do so but again going back to what we do have here now yes. this event yeah. which recaptures again everything that you're so familiar about it is wonderful yeah. to see the pre-1966 aircraft here that played a role maybe here at uh, at uh, Goodwood um I think we should keep doing this, shouldn't we? And then we will continue to remember again I think about so. the, the important roles that some of these aircraft and uh, this base played. Oh, definitely. And if you think next year we should be even better, if we've got the 100-year anniversary of the RAF, so uh, I know Rob, uh, the, you know, the airfield manager's got a, a plan for lots of aircraft. Um, but for me, you know, to see this out here, there's a good mix of aircraft that represent what flew in and out of here during the war. You know, so we've got a Mark One Spitfire, which here was 602 Squadron uh, 1940. That was the type that operated from here in the middle of the Battle of Britain so that's fantastic you know we've got a Hawker Fury there which was only based at Tangmere down the road 1937 to 1939 so there's every chance it flew in here to do some practice circuits you, you just that's just being able to see history and see the aircraft that were part of its background absolutely amazing it you know, really is. and talking about a Spitfire because it is one of the most iconic planes that I think uh, have mm. ever flown if you, if you had a go in one because I would just love to <laughs> I think it's quite yeah. expensive but if yes, you ever had that opportunity yeah, I, I was lucky uh, last year. I did 40 minutes in formation with another Spitfire. Um, I, I normally fly the Harvard and uh, Stearman, 1943 Stearman, uh, but I was given the opportunity to fly for 40 minutes in one. And okay, it, so I'm forgetting you're a pilot yourself, aren't you? Yes, I've been flying 28 years. Um, I started as a gliding instructor, um, but I've been flying here for about 14 years now, mainly vintage tail wheel stuff. Um, but but the Spitfire so you're is physically behind the wheel of the Spitfire. Yeah, I was in the back seat, but I was allowed to fly most of it. I was well, allowed yeah. to do the takeoff because obviously. Uh, like a dual yeah. control thing. Dual control, two seat. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. totally. Yeah, two seat. What was bit. that like? I mean, again, for yourself, Mark. Unbelievable. Know, when, yeah, I you mean, know, you must love that aeroplane as much as so many people do. It, it's it's been a big part of my life ever since I was a little boy cleaning engines in an aircraft museum, you know, and, and I've always wanted to fly one, but when you get in it, uh, the emotions just flood flood to the front, you know. I mean, all the people that I've met that have flown Spitfires, all the all the old boys I've talked to, and, and I just cried like a baby. Did I mean, you? I don't mind admitting that. At the end of the day, it was absolutely wow. fantastic. It was that emotional. It was that emotional, and for it me. is that yeah. sound of the engine, isn't it? You can hear it coming, yes, from a long way away, can't you? I think that's what sends a, a tingle down my spine. I never get bored of the sound, and uh, every time, you know, even my son now, we both run out into the garden and oh, that's a yeah. Spitfire, Dad. You we know, do exactly so. the same, <laughs> exactly the same, because you can hear it coming. You know, from a from a, a long way away, Mark. I shall let you go again. Thank I must you. say, you're looking dapper. You've got the you know the Air Force kit on, haven't you? You're playing the part which we all do, hopefully down here at the revival. Definitely. Um, keep up the good work. Thank I'm you. sure those stories will keep coming in, and it's Brilliant. been a real pleasure to talk to you here at the revival. Thank, Thank you. you very much. Cheers. All the best.